Welcome Wargamers, join your hosts, Falco and Monty, two Canadian wargaming enthusiasts, as we explore all aspects of tabletop wargaming. We roll dice, talk tactics, share hobby hacks, and explore new tabletop systems, all on the Trident Wargaming Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to Trident Wargaming. Today, as the title is going to clearly state here, we're all talking about Echoes of Eternity. This is going to contain spoilers if you haven't read and or listened to Echoes of Eternity. I would turn it off now. Sigourney dies. Continue. Awesome. So yeah, Echoes of Eternity, uh, written by Aaron Dembski-Bowden. And narrated by nobody, because we're not doing an audiobook. But uh, if you had the pleasure of listening to Jonathan Keeble, um, you're you're doing it right. My monkey. <laughs> <laughs> that poor. We're, we're <laughs> going to cover this in detail. <laughs> yeah, it's there's there's a lot of action going on. Um, okay, so i guess initial thoughts like let's let's break it down um having been caught up with the rest of the siege novels echoes of eternity was pretty good it uh it hit hard i won't lie it hit hard it 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 is a slow burner they kind of do a lot of building up in like the first like half to five eights but yeah it's really like drawing everything to the end. And I think it's, it was a good book. So. Yeah. I, I kind of, I, I agree with the statement there that it's a, it's a slow burn for the first, probably uh, two thirds. Uh, I, you know what? I found Saturnine to be the same way though. I thought Saturnine was like, Oh man, there's something big coming. There's something big coming. And you know, same thing happened in Saturnine. It's just like the last the last third of Saturday was all like, "Oh my god!" Every chapter, uh, and it was kind of similar here. This uh, there's definitely like a, a a building sensation that the loyalists are losing. I think, and mm-hmm. it was like they really wanted to hammer that point home. It was just like covering like point after point after point of like the loyalists just getting beaten up and pushed back and injured and damaged and hurt and worn out. And is uh, is slow though, slow to start. Yeah, I think I think in this book they really get more into, like you said, the morale aspect of the whole thing, and that people actually realizing, hey, that this war's over, that they're going to get defeated, and that they're literally standing at the wall waiting for the basically the traitors just to come in and or the emperor's shield to actually collapse. But yeah, it's just like there. Most of it is just like there's like episodes or chapters where conscripts are like talking about how they they don't even know if they've slept or like how many days they've they've slept for or ha- sorry since they slept and shit like that or or like the the dust cloud has covered the planet and they don't even know if it's day or night or what what's happening there so no it's it's, it's very, very grim yeah. in the grim dark for the first two thirds yeah yeah i would agree with that it's they do a really good job of setting that scene um it's it, it feels very bleak, uh, mm-hmm. it, like the war the war is over. Not just the Legion Wars, uh, the legit war is actually coming to an end. Um, it, it felt like a lot of things got 
put to rest. You know, they were they were starting to you know tie up a lot of loose ends, shuffle everybody kind of ahead to uh, the main gate. Um, I did like that aspect quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys had any, what was your favorite part in the book or favorite line in the book? If you had to pick one. Oh, there's a whole bunch. Oh, there's like, probably knows all of them, but yeah. The the two. <laughs> okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna. Uh, there's gonna be a few points here in the podcast where I'm gonna divert into like some theory. Okay, good because I want to theory I, hammer some stuff my, too. Put my uh, put my brush down. Grab my drink here. Sip my uh, sip my cognac. Um, so for the most part, Games Workshop has been pretty good about kind of keeping this stuff. PG-13, yeah. like no language, no swearing, no, no TNA, you know, very, very PG-13. And uh, two things happen in this book that caused me just to like belly laugh out loud. And the first one is the Audex uh, Titan <laughs> pulling another Reaver off the top of the uh, the cliff of rubble heading into the uh, second wall. Yeah. And, and then announcing engine kill and shutting off the 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 Vox when they come start complaining, um, <laughs> and that was like a that was like a, oh my god, I'm like laughing laughing out loud type. Well, of thing. it was so ca- he did it so casually too, right? He was just like they were like talking. They're like, oh, you, you, you just killed this, this, you just killed that Titan, and, and then the the Princept was basically like engine kill, just very like low and casual and like. Yeah, it yeah. happened. Deal with it, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> fuck that Titan. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Same team, man. You get fucked. Yeah. And then the second one is is Zephon, um, and his his like iconic line. I think at this point, uh, when he finally defeats, is it Kargath? Kargath? You're thinking of Amit? Amit or yeah. Amit? Sorry, Amit. Yeah, yeah. Amit in uh, Cargos. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty it's good. Like, Eat shit, traitor. <laughs> I was that definitely was my favorite. That was my favorite line in the book. I have to admit, and it was like it was just such a like it was a moment. I think where they kind of breached the wall, where there was like you know uh, up until this point, there's just like you know like fucking Dorn is just frustrated and Sigismund's frustrated and, and they're losing and they're still kind of there's this like there's this mask of like loyalty and duty and we're just gonna go out and die and abba just like fucking murders someone straight up is like shut up and die traitor and gets mad about it which was like there's like a moment of like humanism there which again mm-hmm. ties into some other points in the book i think that they want to really dig into that there's like you know even astartes are human at the end of the day they're you know metahumans or uh, post-humans whatever you want to call them but there's like a there's a human element there they do get mad they do get angry they they feel you know emotions at some point so and, and in the book i think they, they try and make it clear that they also feel fear so yeah but amit amit yeah yeah oh my boy the, i was gonna say yeah now that you mention it that that's actually a big part of the book is them making space marines like human and emotionalizing them to the point where you're like oh shit you know they do feel fear and that they do get scared but you know their machine or they they've been trained to deal with it right yeah and it, you know this this happens throughout the book and it's funny because well even the scene with cargos and and amit when he says that line what it is 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 cargos is basically um he they with the 
butcher's nails, they basically turn into just zombies or whatever you want to call them, where they're just mindless killing machines. And he's fighting Amit, and he's like, oh, yeah. He's starting to, like, come back down to to the ground and be like, oh, you know, back to a space marine, be like, oh, I remember fighting like this with Ahmed and, like, in the pits. And then he's like, oh, hey, you know, like, oh, Ahmed, my brother. And then, yeah, that, that's when he's like, uh, eat shit traitor. Yeah, eat shit traitor. Yeah. Because Ahmed's like, uh, no, we're friends off, man. You fucking tried to destroy our planet or assault Terra. But, yeah. yeah. What about Get friends off, bro? <laughs> friends off, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I did like, um, I did like a lot of the the human elements in this particular book. Uh, Arkan Land is definitely one of my favorite uh, characters in the book, just because you know he's very uh, very pompous, you know, uh, a genius. Obviously, if he doesn't, you know, let you know, he sure will be soon to let you know, and uh, just. Just the overall interaction with him and Zephon and the way he's treating the uh, chapter thralls or legion thralls, I should say, you know, calling them slaves and where they're, you know, honor and duty bound. But as far as Sarkin's concerned, it's just basic slavery. And uh, I just, I, I like how he's very cut and dry. Although you do see that emotional side when they do kill his monkey, Sapien. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and Zephon. Stefan, they killed my friend. That's right. <laughs> well, that little that little bastard's been rolling around forever, right? Chittering and just cruising along and getting that like awesome uh, dark age pistol for him. Just there's so much stuff that happens, and Sapien was really, you know, he was doing things. I, if we don't get the rules for a tactical nuke pistol, I'm gonna be mad. Frankly, yeah, yeah, that yeah, was pretty sweet. Well, yeah, that yeah, that monkey did a lot actually. Like in this book, he did a lot too. Like I mean, like he he went and grabbed that Skatari, uh, right? Yeah, brought him to you know Arkin Land, who had his legs crushed, and he she basically picked him up and threw him into a Chimera, and you know they drove off, and it was just. And then yeah, he was grabbing the pistol every time Arkin dropped it, and it was just yeah, he did a lot. I sh I wouldn't lie. I shed I shed a man tear when that monkey died. Got crushed like a piece of paper. But yeah. <laughs> so you know, to be honest, um, just a little off track. I do. Th I I actually think we we used to have rules for that uh, pistol. Yeah. That nanite blaster. Yeah. Nanite the relic. Blaster, yeah. Uh, the relic uh, item. That was like the was... dreaded thing back in 1.0 early on. Everyone wanted to run the nanite blaster and. You put the little blast down, and it would just like expand and kill everybody in the squad. And it's a good belly laugh when your opponent's just like, "The fuck, man!" Like, <laughs> but back, uh, back to it. I guess I'm. I have a couple theory and weird questions. You know, Dan and I were talking about this a little bit, and I want to jump to the Sanguinius uh, Angron fight. Okay, um, there is a part when they're fighting, and I'm wondering if at some point Sanguinius gets touched or influenced by Corn in some way, because as he's fighting him, like, the, he is, like, fury incarnate, he is, 
He just he doesn't give a shit. He also knows he's not gonna die, so he can go all out against Angron and really like go to town, put the boots to him. But for a moment there, like in the book, as I was listening to it, it, it felt like Angron kind of knew like his lord masters like laughing because he doesn't care where the blood's coming from, even though like Angron's getting shit kicked in certain parts of this fight. It to me, it felt like he was getting compared for the current champion to the champion that Korn actually wanted, which would be like the true red angel. And I, I don't know. I was uh, doing a little bit of theory craft in there with Dan and just saying like it, to me, it felt like maybe, maybe Sanguinis did let himself slip a little bit just to really, you know, put the boots and finish Angron off. I, I don't know. What do you guys, what do you guys think? Go ahead, Dan. Oh, well, yeah, like, because they, they make up, they, there's a part in the book where Angron's looking at, at Sanguinius, and then he can see that that his eyes shift from, you know, a caring brother to all of a sudden, you know, being blank and and so angry that he just doesn't care anymore. I, I'm probably reading into it maybe a little much, but that's kind of the way I, I heard it when I was listening to it. And then basically, yeah, during the fight, as... Because they were just doing blow for blow, but I think what what was happening is Angron's yeah was losing his his regenerative powers, like he was like he had since the beginning of the book or sorry the beginning of the series, and it just got yeah as yeah. Sanguinius just got losing his plot armor yeah losing yeah. plot armor basically yeah yeah I think I think there's a moment there where they talk about um. Where they're just hitting each other, like it's like they're just like he's he's hitting Sanguinius, Sanguinius is hitting him, um, and Sanguinius. The, but I don't I don't think he dips into being a corn. Like I don't think he dips into that because they there's two points I think that ADB compares him to. Like you know you have you have wrath and fury and anger on one side, and then you have this very like cold, loyal, discreet, valiant wrath on the other side, and um he i think he tries to paint that picture where there's like there's 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 definitely there's there's two ways of looking at violence especially like based demigods fighting um and you know one is like this like just this hatred and this anger and one is this duty and this loyalty and they're kind of like they're kind of juxtaposed against each other mm -hmm. um and there's they're kind of two sides of the exact same coin of that you know basically they're murder incarnate but one is you know loyalty and duty and the other one is like what happens when you let go of that and you see the other side of the coin i yeah i can see that I like too that, yeah it, it, it I, reminded me oh sorry go ahead Dan. no 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 go i was just making a funny comment but yeah you can go well, I want to hear what the comment was now. Uh, so, as they're <laughs> fighting, they they talk about like Sanguinius jumping like like a like a silver hawk, right? He's basically like going in for like strikes, going like super fast. As he was explaining, like the fight of them flying in the air and him oh, them fighting, I was just like, man, this this looks. Like, I'm thinking of like Dragon Ball Z and Space Marine era, right? Where you got these two demigods flying around and everyone barely can see what, what's happening because it's so fast and they're yeah. all flying around. I was like, man, that's like watching Dragon Ball Z. You, never, yeah. you can't tell what's even going on. And they're no. just flying around. Like, here's that. <laughs> da, 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 da. And you see the flashes across the screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah cool. 
<laughs> big big hit the meteor style explosion oh damn. yeah 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 it um that fight definitely gave me some flashbacks of uh sigismund versus karn it kind of had that feeling to me like when angron does realize like oh shit like he's oh, actually man. he's actually going hard like karn realized like damn man like this guy's this guy's legit you know what i mean like it's you i think they notice that it's just these characters have been pushed to such a limit that they're finally letting go of whatever's kept them in check. It's uh, it, it, it's an interesting part. This is my first gripe. Oh, okay. Is I think I think this is a shitty uh, character take, um, and I think you're bang on. And I, I was I was. I was thinking the same thing as I'm watching this is like, you know, you, you watch the, the Karn Sigismund read or whatever you listen to, whatever you consumed it, the Karn yeah. Sigismund fight. And it, it's literally the exact same steps. Like there's just rage and like, not like comprehending what he's doing. He's just like angry and he's hitting. And, and even the way ADB writes it, it's like, and he's hammering and he's slamming and he's hitting and he's slamming and he's hitting and he's flying and he's hitting. And you're just like, okay, we get it. Um, and then, what happens is like the character loses its its plot armor and it like it starts to be like oh no he's my brother <laughs> and you're like oh fuck uh he you know his his wrath is like more it's purer than mine and you no know, the gods are laughing at me and 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 this kind of seems to be a, a habit of of the black library writers in the series so far is like chaos basically takes them to a point but then abandons them right when they're about to be like right when they're supposed to hit their pinnacle and it seems like it you know again it mirrors the sigismund karn fight almost identically in that you know they're almost right to the end and uh chaos loses its plot armor and you know the loyalist side takes their victory and it, that's not because i'm a fanboy of either side it's just like it kind of seems to be a little bit lazy writing for me personally it's just like uh, it, that wasn't a fight between two martial experts. It was it was an ideal kind of playing out. But we've seen that same ideal play out like two or three times. We saw it with um, uh, Mortarian and yet yeah, and Jagatai fighting, where you know literally the exact same ending as the the uh, Sanguinius uh, Angron oh, fight. Jumped on his sword and basically got in close enough to yeah do the death strike like literally yeah. exact and again it's like it's like one of those like I'm gonna be more loyal and more resolute than you and like I my side's and my side's right so I'm willing to like take this hit so I can finish you off in the you know and that way they both kind of they get their you know the good guy gets hit once type of thing but still defeats the bad guy it just seems like just seems kind of like eh. we've seen it happen now three times throughout the just these sets of heresy books but it happens all throughout the series as well happens in the word bearer series with gilliman you know it happens it's just it's a continuous mm -hmm. thing with the the black library writers which i always kind of think is a little bit lazy wow well, there there is a palate cleanser in this book because vulcan is not very heroic throughout that whole fight. He's it's true. Vulcan Vulcan's the blue collar primer. Right, he shows like, up every day. Because yeah, in the book, like Vulcan's <laughs> going through the webway, basically looking for Magnus yeah. to try and stop him from like trying to get through the the affinity gates or whatever they're called, and you know eventually finds him. And it's basically like 
it's just like this like sloppy fight where Magnus is is killing him a thousand different ways, but Vulcan can't die. But he just has that, you know, that he doesn't have that stopping power. Or sorry, he has, yeah, he can't be stopped basically, and he just keeps hitting him with his hammer just real sloppily, and it's just eventually, you know, taking taking its toll on Magnus. Starts to wear him down, right? Yeah, wear him down. But I mean, like, so it's just like. It's a cool fight. Like they're like in a dream world, and Magnus. Or there's there's times where like Vulcan's falling because you know Magnus pushed him or something, right? And he's just like, you know, Vulcan's like, oh fuck, where am I? I'm on my home planet. And he's like, nope, I'm not. I gotta remember. I gotta go do this, right? And then it's just like this cool like dream sequence of fights and stuff. But yeah, I know. So oh, go ahead. Magnus Magnus kills Vulcan every single potentially possible way you could yeah. in a galaxy filled with murder like over the course of like 22 pages or five minutes in the audiobook it's just like oh oh this is tough this is tough to listen to <laughs> yeah well he, he he does get yeah he gets beat down quite a bit again very much the same way that uh conrad kurz was fucking with him right yeah just finding trying to find a thousand ways to die i know chatting with dan a bit you know it seemed it sounded like it you know, Vulcan was regenerating pretty a fast, little fast, a little fast yeah. in between the books and or in t- between the fights. And I was just saying, like, you know, with it being in the webway, we don't really know how much time has actually passed. Like in the webway, it could have been months of just this constant regenerating, fighting, dying sequence that just continues on and on and on, um, which was really cool. Uh, I, I did enjoy that part in the whole book, uh, especially when he's, you know, that charred what's left of muscle and sinew skeleton, you know, still dragging his hammer around. And I was like, damn, man, like, just just sounds like oh, even yeah. even though Magnus, like, you know, reached into his, like, genetic structure and just plucked out, you know, what he felt was keeping him alive all the time. And yet it still wasn't enough to take him down, which was awesome. So it was definitely, uh, definitely an interesting, uh, interesting it, it, battle. I, it's a really like I like that part of the book too. Is like the Vulcan and because you know they treat Vulcan like a meathead, right? He's just I swing my hammer if it if I can see it, it's real. And Magnus is you know this wizard who can go into the the ether and like fly around in a dreamscape and all this other stuff. So it's like kind of cool to see like. You know, yeah, uh, a knight versus a a wizard. Yeah, that's uh, just, just he's a carpenter. Yeah, blacksmith, blacksmith versus a wizard. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like Vulcan never dealt with magic too much, right? Other than having librarians. There's also a there's a real a real I thought pretty cool comment too like when when Vulcan first enters the webway, um, he's wa- he like he's walking through kind of the desolated section um, of the city that was, and he's looking at like the Mechanicum infrastructure and what the Emperor built and the webway and how it, and the the previous Eldari city and how they kind of commingle, and he he has some pretty choice words like basically like this was maybe one step too far, 
Like, and why didn't the emperor ask for help with this? Like, this is mm-hmm. too big for just him. He yeah. shouldn't have done this. This is clearly like the Mechanicum in the webway is a like it's a it's it's a gross artifice over top of what like is clearly not meant to be built over top of. It doesn't work. And there's a lot of commentary on like the fact that maybe the emperor overstepped, or didn't understand what he's doing, or didn't have yeah. the eye to build something that was long lasting there. And he recognizes that you know maybe time and what happened was was pushing him on a schedule he couldn't maintain but he he's kind of critical of of the emperor and the webway uh like the the plan uh that that was and yeah. how it was kind of put together and how it was executed and, and he, like he's critical of it which is we don't see a whole lot of loyalist primarchs being critical of biggie like that yeah no that that's that is true i know there there is mentioned where he's you know, wondering because he's looking at it from an artificer's point of view, and like an actual, you know, craftsman, how like you know this this wouldn't have worked, and it was like sloppily done. Um, yeah. I, I did, yeah, I did like that part. It uh, it goes to show, I think, how how far beyond Primarchs actually are when they can actually you know look at it at that level, and they're like, man, I don't even know if we could have done this, like. Maybe like they knew their limit, right? Yeah. Well, he like he even makes comments like he was just like, well, I could have helped him build this. He was just like, why didn't the emperor ask me? And there was there was times where he was questioning like, well, does he not trust me? Like, why wouldn't yeah. he ask me to build it? And it was like this. I think that was the kind of go into the comparison of Magnus of them being like, well, Magnus was just like, well, why didn't he ask me to build this? Right, I could have built it for him, and it like I didn't know. That's why I destroyed it when I got through because I didn't know it was yours. Oh, that's, a, like, that's a good point, Dan. Like, yeah. there's like there's that juxtaposition of like Magnus. You know, basically, why didn't you share this with me? You should have. I'm going to go do it myself. And uh, Vulcan saying, you know, Father, why didn't you share this with me? Maybe this was this was this i couldn't even do this this is outside my possibility and i recognize that he recognizes his limitations mm-hmm. and is you know and because of that maybe he's the loyal son and magnus isn't yeah yeah there there was a lot of uh there was a lot of um kind of i guess back and forth between how the different primarchs are viewing the gods too right a lot of uh Laughter coming from the gods because they, you know, it's like they don't really care too much about the Primarchs. They're they're just another plaything for them to try and get, you know, further means to an end. Where, um, you know, from Magnus's point of view, it's like the song. He can hear the, he can hear the warp. He can hear the ether, all the energies and stuff. And Vulcan's like, can't you hear him like laughing? Like you're so blinded, or your master doesn't let you see the actual truth. And like it, it very much sounded like yeah, Magnus was pretty much lying to himself because he knew he was. I think he knew he was fucked, for lack of a yeah, better he, word. <laughs> well, you kind of see that in the in their first interaction, right? Because yeah. when when Vulcan's on on Terra still, and Magnus comes and like cyclically links to him to be like, hey, you know, join join our side, right? Yeah. When they're in the, they're like in some dream, like. Magnus's dreamscape. Magnus still looks like Magnus. Yeah, he doesn't look like you know the purple dra- or dragon or sorry purple winged creature demon. Yeah, and he yeah he so he still looked like he did on Tiska and Vulcan in that dream 
look like an old dragon. Like yeah. he sees himself on on Nocturne, right? Like that's and that's how they would see each other. And it was just like, and then well, that Vulcan's making comments like, "Dude, like you're you're literally a puppet." Yeah, Magnus is like, "No, no, I'm not. I'm just doing what I think is right." And it's just like, uh, "No, they're literally telling you what to do because you can hear whispers and laughs and all this stuff." And it's just like, Magnus still thinks he's doing the right thing. So, yeah, yeah, and like, and that that's a theme throughout with magnus like he's always like the wizened king or the wizard or the one-eyed um and then eventually when he gets worn down and his his mask slips he has to kind of expose the monster that he's become and i think that that's always been you know it happens it happens in a few of the other books too like where he's exposed and he's he's ugly when he when he kind of when you tear apart the illusion he's he's just as ugly as the things that he's worshiping now and i think that what they did a good job of showing that like it took it took uh you know maybe it wasn't it wasn't vulcan hitting magnus but it was just him slowly breaking magnus's own illusion uh which is what wears him down he spends all that time and energy holding up that illusion Mm -hmm. uh yeah yeah, no, that's it was pretty. That was pretty wild. Um, oh, another part I kind of want to talk about is uh, the whole Latara uh, Saren section in that Ooh. book. That was that was pretty crazy, man. That was tough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I genuinely uh, genuinely kind of felt bad for her. You know, she's so- just this like wraith white, whatever the fuck she is, and uh. This is like that's that's a good segue because this is like a, a, I think maybe a broader topic theme in the books. Like it, you definitely started to see inklings of it in in Saturnine um, and even the first wall. But uh, you know, if you go if you go way back, you go way 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 back to like Horus Rising and like the first four books, like you cheer Horus on. Like yeah. Horus is like you know he's he's the man frankly like he's he's the perfect son he's the perfect warrior every all the other primarchs like him like he's just he, i think you when when he falls it's like it's sad like i think it's supposed to, it's supposed to be sad and i think when you when you kind of in the build up to tearing all this stuff i think they've kind of conflated the uh like the bad guys the bad guys and the good guys the good guys and now we have like the this where the bad guys you, you're seeing the bad guys fall apart and all of their like idealism is now coming to a head and it's failing them. And I think, you know, Dan Abnett and the guys that are like ADB are putting this together because I don't I don't think they want you to root for this. Or if they do, if you rooted for the the, the, the traders all the way through, um, you may it, maybe they're forcing you to to reconcile that decision. Like yeah. these are not good people. These were this was not a good decision. This is the end. When you follow down this path, Latara Saren is what happens to you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and- that that is the thing like everybody like from certain points of view they're starting to question like shit like did we even make the right choice is this like what we were supposed to do and like you see it a lot with her where she's thinking like i don't know if i don't know if i would have gone down this path again and you know uh starving no no resources just wild well because they basically pushed so hard to get the terror they collected every force they can get every you know, once they got to Terra, they basically just 
ate up every resource they had ammo guns um you know food water and they they literally show the fatigue in even like the the trader side where these you know these orbital ships where they're basically like yeah where the crew like half the crew's dying because they're going crazy oh what's the that movie that basically talks about chaos event horizon uh, yeah event horizon like that's basically what it's like where the crew's starting to go crazy or people are starting to attack other people because they're getting changed and all this stuff and and there's there's moments even too Lotera looks at the planet and goes, "What the fuck did we do? I thought we were here to to take Terra, not destroy it." Because she's looking at Terra and she's like, "We can't live there. We can't. You know, yeah. what are we gonna do with it? It's literally a radiated, infested planet now. Yeah, it's, it's just like, a wasteland." And she's just like, "Why are we here?" She's like, "We could just leave right now if we wanted to." And like you even see there's little moments, I forget all their names for like the Titan crews where they're like, they're either coming out of like the machine spirits and they're like, holy fuck, half the crew's dead. How are we managing? Right. Yeah. And it's cause the spirit, the chaos spirits and like, you know, the will of the, you know, chaos is holding everything together, but it, you could see how fragile it is and like how easily it's going to fall. It, uh, it it did remind me of, uh, I believe, it's Warhawk when like a lot of the Death Guard are starting to kind of snap out of that trance. And they're like, oh, what the fuck? Like, oh, that Nurgling's gross. Where it's like, that's oh, my little buddy, right? And uh, yeah, yeah. when they start getting closer to the other HQs, we'll say, like that aura starts to kind of take them back. They're like, oh, yeah, back to the happy zone, right? It's just... The Herald... Yeah, yeah it, it was like, oh shit, like this is, you know, you have Mortarati, you know, responding in the Titan, and they're, when she's snapping out of her, like, dream state, and she's like, oh, the person's been dead for, like, weeks, he's, like, just mush in a chair, yet that person's still responding in their voice, right? It's like their souls have been possessed by the actual machine spirit, mm-hmm. and, you know, she's looking at her hands, and it looks like they're grafted to like the command throne and she's just covered in you know bile and shit and piss and i was just like oh man like like literally fused right like you see in those yeah. uh forge world kits with all the chaos uh titans where they're actually like molded into the wall and like i don't know it doesn't doesn't seem like the best uh future to <laughs> to follow chaos you know definitely yeah definitely made you uh think about your life choices i think but yeah because I think that's like the that's like the thing though, right? Like just like you know, that's my kind of criticism even of the the sanguineous um, uh, Cabanda and sanguineous uh, Angron fight is they're like you know they've kind of got this this plot armor that eventually chaos just yeah. it's not built to win, it's built to destroy, and yeah. you know it uses space marines and humans and primarchs to do this but at the end of the day they're all disposable and unfortunately like the series keeps reminding us of this over and over and over again and you know removing that plot armor you know taking away the pulling the wool back from latara seren's eyes at the end and showing her what she's become and what's actually running her ship and you know and the titan crew you know that they're not actually human anymore they're just parasites that are you know that demons are riding them to run the titans and it all kind of just like yeah yeah it was pretty uh 
it's pretty horrific sounding, you know. Makes you want to start a loyalist chapter because paint yeah. something right colored. Because <laughs> Latara, like Latara in the book, she's the captain for like most of the thing, but near the end, they find out that she's just like she's like a ghost of yeah. the machine spirit, basically of of these emotions that that the real Latara had and yeah. expelled. But it was funny because they were explaining the real Latara, and I was like. That sounds like Kerrigan from uh, StarCraft. I was like, oh. Because she's kind of mutated with sharp teeth and claws. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Whatever else. And Torrents like, wow. and black eyes. Yeah. Yeah, just all just all chaos out. It's, it's weird. Like, I was kind of wondering what was going on with Karn. And I'm like, why the fuck is Karn there? Like, what happened? And then hearing like oh yeah the conqueror is keeping these people alive these echoes of these people's souls or their lives mm-hmm. like within the ship and i was like oh that's that's super dark like that's like purgatory essentially right like that's yeah it's uh definitely a, an interesting an interesting take in the book so it's uh worst part what did you hate what did i hate Hmm. What did I hate? Well, I mean, one good thing is they didn't talk about John in this fucking book. Every book, there's John Grammaticus and all Ollie, and it, that fucking shit drives me crazy because it's so slow and they talk all fucking Irish. And anyways, um, they we could talk all Irish. <laughs> well. It, it's goofy and it's it's, it's all person hoity tiny tiny yeah. tiny we're leading, leading the snakes out of Terra. but yeah after this uh, at the end of it it was even funny because i was like where the fuck was john i thought he was like on his way to kill the emperor and i don't know but i don't know if there's something you guys but i mean alex kind of said what his was was he he didn't like that it was so uh, everything, the fights all end up being similar. My least favorite part is probably the flashbacks of Cargos when he's kind of coming back to it, figuring out like, oh, I'm an apothecary. Oh, cool. And then just, I just, I'm not a fan of the, the dialect between him and the, uh, we bears chaplain. Right, it's just this very like gritty teeth. Sure, just like it was just like, oh man, like I get it, you're raged out, but I don't know, it's just yeah, because he talks like his jaw's broken. Yeah, it's just it 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 was a little bit okay, but uh, like overall, that's probably the only part I really didn't care much for. Like I I get why they're very angry, Um, them butchering each other. You know, the uh, World Eaters, the Kill, Main Burn, the signature classic, you know, uh, Battle Chant, Blood for the Blood God. Like, they started dropping a lot of those in the book, um, you know, when Land is kind of getting uh, picked up by that Death Guard Marine, and the World Eater comes out of nowhere and just starts shit-kicking them. Uh, I, I liked that the World Eaters were starting to go, like, true berserker, um, I guess, to their like their true selves that we see in 40k which is pretty mm-hmm. sweet I, I have one more thing and don't let anybody tell you different uh late heresy is early 40k okay 
<laughs> so, I, I, I have a theory as well, too, uh, that um, Games Workshop listens to the fans and may not actually change anything because of them, but they're listening. And I think they're trying to push away, like the historical perspective this might be controversial so bear with me here but like this idea of the historical war game uh, and that you know all the battles are identical and you know the only legions on terra were these because like at the beginning of the book the first like like three or four chapters they just go like instance after instance and they talk about space wolves they talk about lost legion they talk like like raven guard slash salamanders that they're you know they kind of try and link each legion in even a small capacity, like one guy, one squad, oh, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. one one you know, one aspect of that legion to Terra in some form, and I think that's to open up the 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 kind of avenue for people to play with any legion on Terra, uh, and opens up the narrative for anyone to partake. Um, it's just like you know, they talk about like space wolves being on Terra in the first two chapters, and you're like, what? Like, yeah, yeah uh, Rykath, no foes remain. Yeah, and, and I think I think they're just trying to they're trying to bridge that gap so that like everyone gets to play their legions on Terra type of thing, uh, forge their narrative in their historical war game uh, the way they want, and uh, and not tell them someone tell them like oh no uh, uh, remember that that legion didn't make it yeah. to Terra actually you can't do that yeah <laughs> unless it's Ultramarines which everyone agrees the Ultramarines never made it well. You know what especially didn't make it to Terra? Huh? The Fulmentaris Terminators. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gulliman's on his way, okay? He's like a week out. Just hang on. Just oh, hang on, goddammit. So, does heresy end when Horus dies? Or is that when 40k starts? Well, essentially, like, 40k's already started. They just don't know it yet. Um, but, like, as soon as Horus dies, and this is the thing, so what I want is I want the books to, to end in a climactic fashion, even if it's going to be over two books, part one, part two. I want it to be really cool, really epic, like, because, you know, I've read, you know, we've all read the story in the old Collective Visions book. We kind of know what's going to go on. What I don't want to happen is Chupar Pearson or John is going to somehow magically get up into the, you know, vengeful spirit and like turn the shields off. I guarantee you. I don't want. That I don't exactly want exactly what happens. Not only that. are they there, but I guarantee you that they're going to be at the final battle with yeah. uh, with Horus and the Emperor. I guarantee it. Yeah, they're going to wraith cut in there somehow. They're going to portal out and they'll appear. And I just I don't want it to happen. I don't want to be like. Let's drop the shields, and they drop it, and Biggie's like, "Oh, it's time." I, I want Horus to do it. I want him to be like, "We got to drop the shields," and I want, you know, the emissary to be like, "My lord, no way! Like, we can't, we can't do it." And he'd be like, "Mal, fuck off," and just like push him out of the way and psh, drop the shields. Like, that's what I want. Is Horus being like, you know, brazen and just like, "All right, pops, you wanna, you wanna fuck around and find out? Let's do it," because he's gonna know that Gulliman's coming. That's kind of, I think that's essentially, you know, that's the gambit is they got to get this done before the loyalists show up or else it's over. Mm -hmm. But I just, ah, that's my worry. That's my worry. 
Well, they gotta tie those guys in somehow. Wow. They've been talking about them for every fucking book. I, I guarantee it, man. I guarantee it that, like, this is my prediction. I will put it out in the internet right now. Big E and Horace are fighting. Big E is losing. Ole Pearson or one of the other <clears throat> magical infinite characters shows up and they use they use one of the unspoken words of creation to wound Horus and that allows Big E to, to kill him. I, I like I just I see it coming from like a mile away that you, that's gonna happen. You think it'll Are be you John? That's... Yeah, John Grammaticus will do it or someone'll do it. Because like, isn't there like an old story about how old Pearson or like there's like this like uh, this imperial guardsman that's that takes a hit for the emperor that saves him while he's fighting horrors or some shit like that? I thought I thought there was a story around yeah. this at one point. Yeah, there is. It's an old one. Um. So are you predicting that that John is gonna chink Horace's armor? Because doesn't Sanguinius do that when they're fighting? Because I thought Sanguinius fights yes. Horace first. So and then... and on the collected visions, I think it, it goes back to like the rumors is that Sanguinius wounds Horus in some form, creates a chink in the armor, and that's what. Uh, and then Biggie fights him, and then he he he's holding back, he's holding back, he's holding back, and then eventually he he realizes that he can't convert Horus back to his cause and save his his son, and he just unleashes all of his psychic entity through the one chink in the armor that that Sanguinius did to him and obliterates him but like i i don't think it's sanguinius i think it's i think it's john or or old that that do it so how does sanguinius die like a bitch <laughs> you think he just gets in there and he gets smacked by that mace once and he's on the on the steps there yeah i think i think he fights and i think he just gets he yeah just beat up like at this point like he goes he goes to the final gate there and he's like he's fucking he's got one wing tattered he's he's been stabbed through the chest he's got like a hundred different cuts and bruises on his body like he's basically toast like he needs some serious apothecary time There's some r and r on luna or something like that he he, uh, he doesn't stand a chance against horace i think he's just gonna go up and he's gonna try and save horace's soul and be the good brother but he knows he's gonna die so he's literally just going up there to die yeah hmm. it's it's the way yeah alanius ps basically Legendary figure said to be a guardsman who sacrificed his life to save the Emperor during the Siege of Terra of the Imperial Palace. Are you reading that off like a wiki or something? Yeah. I remember hearing okay. about it. I just, yeah, he's he's in there. So I, I, I don't think um, Sanguinius' death is going to be a good one. I think it's going to be like, I kind of want it to be one of those like, showstoppers or people like whoa what the fuck just happened like it'd be like and sanguinius went in for the strike and you know faster than horace and then horace just out of nowhere just like just catches him and he's like no 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 and just crushes him right and he's like no please brother and just like an ugly death i just or just like game of thrones him like invites him in for a hug and then just like yeah. puts all five fingers through his chest yeah, out his heart. like in the cinematic, just, uh, yeah. just yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. And like and like a single bloody tear rolls down Sanguinius's face Ooh. as he says "brother" as he dies, and everyone like everyone just like crowd goes silent and everyone cries a little bit. Yeah, just a psychic, <laughs> just a psychic lash, black rage everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna ask, 
because like that happens like it seems to be every Primarch that's died so far there seems to be like this psychic backlash to all the religions even when uh you know the Khan you know basically gets stabbed to death like all of a sudden the white scars go in a frenzy and then they're like going crazy and like trying to kill anything they see I mean it yeah like is feel this word loss yeah and this is gonna be probably crazier for the blood angels because this is when the black rage basically starts yeah so maybe this is covering a different topic but it is like jagatide dies i i like i thought but they they don't really like like he's in stasis and then they refer to him in this book as being like near death but like surviving and he's like yeah. he's in a he's in a coma basically but he's not dead yet and i thought at the end of the book they fucking killed him well i remember it sounded like he was dead and as they're transporting him i don't know who finds a melkador or someone like they they get him to a spot and they're like oh god there's a faint heartbeat like it's like he's regenerating somehow or there's clinging the life you know with by a thread kind of thing i i can't remember the exact details um let us know in the comments though if you know exactly what we're talking about and you're screaming it at the screen because <laughs> yeah we're like uh, we're reaching right but you know what i we know what we're talking about you know you know so oh, fucking dummies he doesn't die yeah well, no, because no, obviously he goes and fights the Dark Eldar, but it's just, yeah. Spoiler alert. That's not what I heard. Oh, I heard well, he gets, whatever. I heard he gets caught and just by the Dark Eldar, but that's 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 in 40k. We're we're talking about 30k. I thought right? he, so, he get captured by uh, the Necrons, but in stasis. Mm, well, I don't know. I don't know. It's either it's either him or Dorn. Yeah. I don't you know. think it's Dorn? Oh shit. It's it's one of the two. I'm pretty sure. There's like there's there's references in the in the Tazarin book that he literally has a Primarch in his in stasis in oh. the in the infinite vault there. Oh maybe. Oh I kinda I vaguely remember what you're talking about. It might be a uh, con. Who knows? Maybe he escaped. He he like he's he's described as a barbarian uh with wild hair, like mid mid slice like blade coming down. And that's why everyone thought he was they were maybe talking about the con. Makes sense. And this is a bit divergence for the book at this point, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, w I was going to bring up from from this current book, Echoes. They talk about like all the traitor legions being the forty k versions. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, like they talk about the sorry the world leaders being red with their armor because there's times where Cargos is looking at his fellow world leaders and he's like, "Fuck, he's got red armor." Like what? What's happening? And then, cause, well, they they don't realize that they have so much blood on them that they're basically stained red. And then you know they talk about plague or plague marines, uh, death guards be basically being plague marines, big fat dudes with you know the guts hanging out and spitting acid. And and then they talk about thousand suns being emotionless statues with yeah. blue armor. So I mean they've already transitioned. Everybody's basically transitioned by by now. It's uh, it is it is nice, you know, that they were starting to really push that late heresy, and that that's the thing. I think that opens it up, and it puts a lot of that uh, just that online 
disagreement to rest, right? Yeah. Like, can, can I use 40k Chaos Space Marine bits? Do they are fucking 40k Space Marines now? Like, look at the cover of <laughs> Echoes of Eternity. Tell me that's not a Chaos Space Marine. And if you do, I'm going to tell you you're a fucking liar. Uh, just straight up, man. Like, especially oh. that dude, his he, back's turned. He's like, yeah, right? He's like looking, red eyes, pale face, Sons of Horus with gold trim armor. I'm like, it's Chaos Space Marine right there. But they look awesome. And, and uh, that's how they should. Like the Corsway model that just came out. Yep. He's 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 on a like a on a stone plinth looking thing, but there's a, there's a chaos space marine chain sword there. Yes, there is with with like that blade thing on the front, right? Yeah, the their like, main like guard on the actual like shaft of the weapon. Yeah, yeah, like it like it's on the blade. I mean, you could say that it's it's um, a night lord's sort of chain thing, but a chain glaive, but whatever. It fuck it, it lo- literally looks like it. Like a chaos chainsword, yeah. And I'm does. just like, because he was on Terra. Every, Holy every shit, it's a Night Raptor's chainsword. You're 100 percent right. It's everybody's everybody's looking at their phone right now, going, "Holy fuck, let me pull this picture up." Right? They want to <laughs> well, check I, it I out, but, mean... but well, straight up, but it's it's reinforcing that this is late heresy. This is early 40k. This is this is where the lines are blurred, and just don't fight it. Just embrace the the wholesome goodness that it is because uh, you know, they might kick off a whole new book series of the scouring and you're going to be uh, fucking thankful and you're going to listen to it because it's awesome you know what you know what they need to do for the last two books so in this next book because basically they they're basically stuck in the palace now what they need to do is to reinforce the space marines and be like hey your armor is all broken oh we happen to have these stock mark seven armor sitting in our vaults that we were it's only experimental but you can use them oh and then there mark sevens and heresy they might (laughs) yeah well they could they could be prototype suits um you don't know right like as bobby g and the rest of the crew are coming up from behind maybe they do a pit stop at mars like hey we brought fresh suits we brought every like <laughs> brought all the goodies man like you don't know how it's gonna go down it, it, that's call uh, calls up calls with 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 marty is headed to earth fixing shit up for him already him uh, there we go i was just trying to think of a way of like because i i've been playing heresy since it started right and I, there was so much bullshit on the internet of being like Oh, that's Mark Seven. Get the fuck out of here, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. If I see Mark Seven and they're saying late heresy, go fuck yourself. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Let's not get too crazy. They have Chaos well, Grace I, Marines in Siege of Terra. God damn it. There, there was other shit too. Like we were saying, like the, you could go on a Death Guard page if you played with the 40k Plague Marines. People would be like, fuck you, right? Like you're, 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 you're in the wrong system. Get out of here. And it, there was just a lot of bullshit like that. And I think. Bill said, and yeah, Alex is. It's all tying everything together now, yeah. and it's all becoming one thing. And I keep joking that we got to play like bolt action now, where we're going to talk about what era we're in. <laughs> we're in late if, heresy. Well, okay, so if you go hardcore, right? If you go yeah. hardcore, full. You've gone full knack. Well, yeah. If you're going all the way knack. You know, are you running anything other than Black Shield Iron Hands? <laughs> are you? Not, are yeah. you? Right? Or Solid Matters? Or Raven yeah. Guard? If you don't have Shadrach Medusin leading it, like, is it legit? 
There was actually a serious conversation in the Heresy uh, Facebook chat the other day about like how many Raven Guard were actually left after Istvan, and like the general consensus is like less than twenty five hundred or something crazy. Like, and the general narrative is that none of them made it back to Terra. So, like, you know, does after after Istvan is is there a spot in the Heresy for Salamanders or Raven Guard? Technically, no. Or Iron Hands, even for that point. Yeah. Probably not. Like, we kind of know what happens to the Iron Hands, but, like, we don't really know what happens to the Salamanders other than, you know, Vulcan killing some of them. Um, uh, but, like, we, the Raven Guard have almost played no role whatsoever in the Heresy. Um, and so. Uh, and the, the Shattered Legion stuff, they, they're a big part in that, but, yeah. Yeah. But, like, no major role. No, but. It's. They're, you know, filler stories. Sons of Selenar, they're in there. And again, though, I think that's just to, like, that gives everyone a chance to play their Legion in the Heresy without, you know, someone gatekeeping them. Like, uh, your Legion wasn't at the Battle of Gilgamesh 214. <laughs> um, it's just yeah. between the Iron Hands and the Iron Warriors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, that one Raven Guard did uh, give Primaris armor to. Uh, or sorry, made Primaris Marines. He gave the technology to Call in the future. There you like go. Being on that, being in that uh, mine or whatever he was in, holding that one technology from Luna. So I guess the point being here, and what we're we're pushing around is that, like you know, generally play Heresy how you want to play Heresy. Yeah. And, and fucking build your army, paint your models, and fucking have a good time, and don't listen to what everyone else says. Truth, truth. I think that's a solid note to to wrap up on. Honestly, mm-hmm. that's some hobby positivity right there for you. So, uh, let us know in the comments what you thought. Um, if you like this book, uh, what you thought of our review. There was a lot of stuff to kind of go over, but we we hit some of the major uh, ones. I think, um, as always. You know, if you like what we're doing, um, like, you know, share, subscribe, uh, you know, hit us up on the socials. We'd love to hear from you guys. And, uh, yeah, we'll definitely keep uh, dropping some heresy goodness for you in the future. I know there's going to be a part two one day coming out for Libra Mechanicus. And yeah. <laughs> it, it'll I'm be working a, on it. I'm working I on know, it. I know. It'll be awesome. But, yeah, no. Uh, thank you very much for listening, guys. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed. Thanks, Harry fans. We love you. Catch you later. Trident Wargaming. Build it, paint it, play it.